In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. Today's Gospel that was just read right now, um, in many uh, Christian traditions, is oftentimes called the Gospel of the Slaughter of the Innocents. Um, and um, you may or may not be familiar with the story, I'll kind of just summarize it quickly. Um, because it really serves kind of as the setting, as the platform for the message uh, of today. After Jesus was born, these wise men came from the east and they came because they had been following astrological signs, stars and prophecies that the king of creation was coming and was going to be born. Um, and they wanted to come and see this king and to offer him homage, to offer him gifts and so on. And they come and they speak to Herod um, and Herod says, when you find him, let me know so I can come and worship him. He had, of course, no interest in worshiping him. He was, he was sort of a fake king uh, that was placed by the Romans, but he really didn't want to lose his title to this real king. Um, and so he wanted, he wanted to kill him, this child, this child king. And so the, the, the wise men in a dream see an angel telling them to go home another way and not to pass back through uh, Jerusalem and through Herod's territory. And so they go back another way. So Herod realizes that he's been deceived. So what does he do? He orders a mass genocide of all children under age of two, depending on the information he had gotten from the wise men at about what year, what age that, the, that uh, this new king which is the Lord Jesus Christ, would have been born. And, and so there's this mass genocide of, of infant children or, or um, infant boys um, for those who are, who are aged two and under at that time. An angel appears to St. Joseph in a dream, the foster father of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, and says to him and to Mary, um, the, or says to him, take Mary and, and, and the Christ child and go down to Egypt. And he does that and spends about four years touring through Egypt and then comes back when an angel appears to him, tells him it's safe to go back, he goes back. So the message today is really about about Christ going to Egypt. And, you know, being a church that received its spiritual heritage from Egypt geographically, this gospel is kind of like really important to us and we're very patriotic about it. But the message today is not really so much about patriotism. I'm so sorry for the Egyptian patriots in the, in the audience. The message is a little bit larger than that, St. Cyril points out to us. It's not so much that Christ went to Egypt. It's that Christ went somewhere that wasn't Jewish, i.e. he went to the Gentiles. He found refuge in a Gentile land. No, no, note to the listener, in, 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 in their times, if you were Jewish, you would be considered ceremonially unclean or ceremonially defiled if you entered the house of a Gentile, ate with them anything they they were they were completely separate they completely separated themselves the 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 hebrew people the jewish people completely separated themselves from non-jews so the fact that jesus went to not only the home of somebody jewish the country of somebody jewish and went and lived there necessarily they lodged in homes of people who weren't who weren't who weren't jewish 
The message, the message right from the beginning of the life of Christ is that Jesus is, is a savior for all people, for all people. And St. Cyril clarifies this, that, that the message is really that he is a God for all people. And we find that in the, in the, in the psalm that was read as an introduction to the, to the gospel. It says, the Lord has made known his salvation and his righteousness he has revealed in the sight of all nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Another note to the reader. About a few hundred years before the coming of Christ, Egypt was the superpower of, of the world. And in many of the prophecies, Egypt is described as like the stronghold of Satan. Like, you know, all worldliness and all wickedness and all idolatry and all is Egypt, you know? And if you read, especially in Isaiah and Jeremiah, when you read the word Egypt, that's what it's equated with. It's like the kingdom of hell, you know? The kingdom of Satan. And so the, the message here is really strong. The message here is, is that Jesus is a savior for all peoples, even those filthy, idolatrous Egyptians, right? I can say this because I'm, you know, born, I'm born in Egypt and I'm ethnically, you know, uh, my ethnic heritage is Egyptian. I'm obviously Canadian now, um, right? And so I can, I can be a little bit dramatic and so on, or I feel I have license to, you know? But this isn't, I, I'm not making this stuff up. This is like, this is, this is, this is real. If you, when you read in Isaiah, you find, and it's in Isaiah, the prophecy which was read today, which says, and St. Matthew is, is, in his gospel, is revealing the prophecies because he was writing to Jews. And he says, in Isaiah, it says, out of Egypt, I shall call my son. And there's other prophecies that say, in the center of Egypt, there shall be an altar for the Lord. And all of these things were fulfilled during the coming of Christ to Egypt in those four years. But the significance is not so much Egypt in, 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 in the sense of patriotism. This, the, the significance is that Jesus is a savior for all people. So there's two messages today for two slightly different audiences. If you consider yourself the people of God, I'm going to be talking to you in just a moment. If you consider yourself a guest or a visitor, or you're kind of like looking in, and that may be because you've never heard of Jesus before, or that's maybe unlikely in Western culture, it may be because you don't yet have a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It may be that you're looking in from the outside and you see these people who are somewhat overly religious, but they seem to have something. You're not sure, you know, are you, is, it, is it worth it? You're, you've heard the call of Christ telling you, come and be my disciple, but you, you haven't yet committed. You haven't yet, you know, thrown caution to the wind and jumped both feet in. If you're in that category, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to you today, if you feel like you're somewhat on the outside for whatever reason, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to you today, I will come to you. I am a savior for you. I am for you, not against you. I want to be with you. 
I want to come and find refuge with you. I want to come and visit you in your home, in the home of your life, in the home of your work, in the home of your relationships. I want to come and be a part of your life. The Lord Jesus Christ is offering you a proposition today and saying, I am for you. Okay, that was the message for that audience. If you consider yourself to be a child of God, to be of the people of God, like the Israelites felt they were the people of God and other people were not. Okay, the message for you is, congratulations, I'm so delighted that you are the people of God, that you are a child of God. But don't forget that he is also a God of the people that don't consider themselves a child of God. And the only way they're going to realize that is if you are willing to pay a price. Jesus didn't go to Egypt because St. Joseph wanted to take a Nile cruise. They didn't go on a holiday and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't for fun. It was because there was a genocide happening where they were. There is a cost to the gospel being proclaimed. And if you for one moment, child of God, think that you can enjoy the gospel and it's just going to magically dissipate around you by osmosis at no expense to you, you are wrong. There was a dear price that was paid for this critical message to be preached right from the beginning of the life of Christ. An estimated over 120,000 innocent children slaughtered. I'm not saying that God orchestrated this genocide and so on. No. But that was the reason for it. And this is a theme which repeats itself through Scripture over and over, and the history of the church over and over, and in our lives over and over, and I'm going to share those examples with you now. After Jesus, you know, rose from the dead, crucified, rose from the dead, spent time with his disciples, you know, he ascended to heaven, told them, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. They started to do wonders and miracles. The church was growing by thousands a, a week. St. Peter preached a sermon, 3,000 were saved. Five days later, they're going to the temple. They see a man who's lame. They say, he says to, who's, who's uh, a, a, a paraplegic. He says to uh, Peter and John, he says to them, you know, he begs some money for this gold and silver I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, rise and walk. He starts dancing and singing around the temple. 2,000 more people join, join the church. What happens immediately after that? Peter and John get put in prison. There's a movement happening. What's going on? They get persecuted. What happens after that? St. Stephen shows up on the scene. He's a beautiful, beautiful young man. His icon is the third one over there, right? beautiful young man, just full of the Spirit of God, just a delight to every person, young and old. He's captured, he's put on trial, stoned to death. What happens? The disciples get scared. They say, we've got to get out of Jerusalem. They get out of Jerusalem. They go to where? The nearest places, the rest of Judea, Samaria, and they go around. What do they do when they go out? They start sharing the gospel message. Why did they leave? Because of the persecution 
Acts chapter 8, verse 1. You'll find it right there. Because of the persecution, the disciples were scared and left and started to preach. The apostles stayed, the 12 apostles stayed in Jerusalem. The others, the others went out. There is a cost. There is a cost. Some of our, our, our fathers and mothers from whom we as a younger generation receive the faith. They are the hands that fed us the faith. They are the hands that handed down to us the faith. The word tradition, which the word we tra translate as tradition, literally means handed down. But it means handed down as like, like the, handing, the handing of food. Like, like, a, like, a, like a mother, you know, hen feeding her chicks. Almost like from the, from the mouth of one to the mouth of the next. You know, like the mother hen is holding a worm in her mouth and she hands it to the, to the chicks. The, the tradition that we have is something which has been handed to us from a generation which came before us. Well, like, guess, guess what, all English church? That generation is more comfortable worshiping God in a different language. They're more comfortable worshiping God in a different culture. But those of them that are here in this particular parish, who may or may not understand what I'm saying, because some of them don't understand a lot of English at all, are willing to sit through long services without understanding in a language they don't understand, and a culture that they don't understand, so they can be here to support a faith and support a church and continue handing down a tradition to you and me who don't understand the language and the culture that this, that this, that this spirituality and this faith came from. They are paying a price. What you and, my, and I are getting on a silver platter comes at a cost. And if you want to invite a friend, and if you want to invite a colleague, and if you want to share the gospel message with somebody, it's going to cost you something. But it's worth it. But it's worth it. That's why I told you today there's two very different messages. The message for the child of God is, if you want to live the gospel, it's going to cost you something. Stop thinking it's going to be for free. If it's for free, it's worth just that, nothing. David, the king, is about to bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. Okay, it's been, it's been in the tent of meeting outside Jerusalem. He conquered Jerusalem um, from the Jebusites, and he set that up as his, as, as, as his capital city. You know, and he says, and he says, I, I want to bring the, temp, the tent of meeting into the capital city. And it should be a big celebration. So he organized the big celebration. And then he goes out and then, and then he has to offer an offering before he does that. So he goes to where the tent of meeting, the plot of land where the tent of meeting was. And he goes to, he, he goes to the guy who owns the land and he says to him, look, I'm going to need to offer a sacrifice on your land. Like before I build a bonfire, I thought I should tell you, right? And, 
And so he says, sure, no problem. He says, look, I have oxen, you can have them. And the yokes of the oxen, like the, the wood implements that steer the oxen, you can have those to build your fire. And you can have whatever you need. Take it all for free, he says to King David. Anything for the Lord. What does David answer? He says, far be it from me to offer an offering to the Lord, which cost me nothing. A friend of mine in marketing, I'm not in marketing, I don't know anything about marketing, but a friend of mine who's in marketing was telling me, if somebody is selling you something for free, you are the product. <laughs> your information, your attention, your whatever. If it's somebody's giving you something for free, you are the product. The only person who's an exception to that rule that I've found is Jesus, the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's different from other shepherds. Other shepherds raise sheep to get something from them. Wool, milk, or slaughter them for meat. They care for their sheep. They sure do care for them because they're an asset. You know, if they get sick, if they get eaten by wolves, if whatever, they don't make money. But the, the shepherd wants to make money out of the sheep. The good shepherd is the only one who's the opposite. He dies for the sheep. He pays the cost for the sheep, for the well-being of the sheep. Jesus is the only one who offers something for free. And he really, all he wants is our well-being in return. The gospel message is very simply, very, very, very simply this. That God the Father loves every single person with the same love that he loves his only begotten son. That is the gospel message in all of its simplicity. That God the Father loves every single person like he loves his only begotten son. And wants to have a relationship with every single person exactly the same as he has a relationship with his only begotten son and this is where trinitarian theology becomes really important but i'm not going to go into that very much i'm just going to share with you jesus's final prayer his final prayer before being arrested apprehended and crucified is this he prays to the father and he says father that they may all be one as you father are in me and i in you that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me I have given them that they may be one as we are one I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me what are you willing to pay child of God what cost are you willing to pay so that people who don't know that the unity that exists between the Father and the Son is what the Father covets to have with every single one of us, you and me. What are you willing to pay? Are you willing to love your neighbor? St. John asked us in the second reading today. Are you willing to love people who are really difficult to love? Are you willing to forgive people who have hurt you? Are you willing to reach out to people who bite you every time, every time you reach out to them? Are you willing to expend any cost, time, money, energy? 
What are you willing to pay? It costs the slaughter of the innocent children of Bethlehem for Jesus to visit Egypt. It costs St. Stephen his life for the disciples to finally leave Jerusalem and start spreading the word. It costs the martyrs and the saints their lives so they could witness to a life which was more precious than the life here on earth. What are you willing to pay for your witness? Glory be to God forever and ever, amen. I have sinned, forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.